Amen. Okay, so I want to speak to you this morning from um, Luke chapter 8. And um, I really feel this is a word in season, honestly, with what God is saying and doing across the nations of the world. And I want you to remember and think of these three words. Seed, time, and harvest. You've heard that. Seed, time, and harvest. And I'm going to keep repeating that. Just think about those three words. Because Luke 8, we read here, it says the seed is the word of God. Okay? And that is very important to understand. Let's read, if we can, from Luke 8, um, from chapter 4. And it's, it's, it's about the parable of the sower. It's, and it says here from verse 4, and it says, When a great carol was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path that was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let them hear. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. From verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. And there he starts with these words. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. The seeds of salvation. Well, and the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. We've been through a time of testing now in this last 18 months. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear the word, hold it fast and in an honest sure that's good and in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience bear fruit with patience no seed just produces fruit tomorrow seed time and harvest and we've heard from many prophetic voices in this last time it's harvest time it's harvest time and I think we always think harvest is souls. It's that, yes, it is souls, but it's a whole lot more from what seeds have been planted in your heart. The, 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 the return of faithfulness, the return of endurance, the return of showing loving your enemies, those seeds in your heart that from the word builds stuff into your heart and love and you trust and you wait. And at a time, God rewards, God pays out according to what you've laid in your heart in believing him by faith for him to do okay but also you see you've got the enemy it also likes to sow seeds into our hearts and to our lives so that through doubt through all sorts of different things he can start allowing those things to take root 
And here's the thing. He is also looking for a harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Many people you've seen in walks of life, in Christian lives, their fall doesn't happen quickly, right? If we speak like that, it takes time because of the seeds that were laid in their heart that the enemy just planted there and at the right time, he drew a harvest. We all fall into the good that God has done. Now, the enemy cannot create. Okay? He can only replicate. Okay, he's not a creator. He's a replicator from the truth and the foundation of what God is. So we serve a God of principle, a God who uses principle to operate in things. He uses giftings. He uses callings. And then what the enemy does from those beautiful things that God creates, he twists them to try and replicate what God has created, to try and make it into something appealing. But he draws people in by sowing those seeds and then the roots are planted and it produces fruit. Okay, so just three key things. We all know these things, but you look at three things. Money, sex, and power. We all know those. Look how the, the enemy has twisted the reality and the, the power of riches by the lure of mammon. And he takes mammon and, uh, and he twists it because mammon, mammon sells you everything that God can give you. But it never satisfies you. You are left in that cycle of always pursuing more, always running after more. Mammon lures you in. But the true riches from God satisfy you. They are not for your own gain. They are for others to be able to perceive of the wealth that you have when it comes to money and, uh, and the, the roots of what it is into mammon. Look at sex. Look at that gift that God has given for a man and a woman. Okay? Nothing else. Only in the, in the, in the ark, it was two by two. Okay? A man and a woman. Being, being kept in the beautiful place of holy matrimony. What has the enemy done with that beautiful gift and principle that God's given? Distorted it through the power of lust and made it into an industry. And lives are destroyed because those seeds planted into their hearts. Wow. And then look at power. Look at our governments around the world today. Look at leadership, even leadership in the church. How manipulating it is, how controlling it is, how over and authoritative over people, and it lures them with power and resources and all the authority, but that's all for their own self gain instead of Jesus who came and laid down his rights and came to serve. Right. There's the true leader. That's the true created model that we were shown, but the enemy takes it and twists it and makes it for his, for his gain. I mean, I watched some history stuff on. Uh, on the uh, Roman times and all these different kind of emperors that rose and Julius Caesar and how he came to power, it was all through manipulation. It was all through, and then he was essentially, or eventually assassinated. The number of Roman emperors that was assassinated because people didn't like them. So someone else wanted to rise in power and you just kill him. That's such an abuse of power. So those three things. But then I thought about the other one, which I love is music. Think of music. God created sound and song and musical tones, melodies, all those things to honor and glorify him. The enemy was the chief musician in heaven. And he's taken music and twisted it, okay, 
so that it's not about glorifying God. It's about raising stars that they draw all the attention to themselves, see how much money they can make of a good song. And they make a lot of money. And it's not music wasn't created for that. See, the enemy cannot create. He only replicates and twists and turns it away so that it benefits the seeds that are planted into people's hearts and lives. So there's, there is truly a time now, and we have to await to this, to have discernment. We need to have discernment in this hour because of the, the lure of all these things that are bombarding us. The, the idea of all that is to sow seeds into our hearts. Okay. And last week, Kathleen burned brilliantly with all our technical difficulties and the challenges that, that spoke on Romans 14. Okay. And Romans 14 touches on that reality that we do not have judgment for one another. Vegetables, as you go and read Romans 40, was clearly a big thing in that day. And uh, the way they ate was a big context of how their spirituality looked. And people were judging each other because they were doing different things and eating or not eating it. It's far beyond food right now. As I said last week, there's a lot at stake when it comes to this. And if you read, and we walk with no judgment in our hearts, but if you read John 5, 21, these are the words of Jesus. For the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son. It's all been laid on him. So why must we judge if it's all been laid on him? Because they'll stand before him one day and then he will judge them according to what they've done. It's not up to us. It takes the pressure of us to fix people and change people. Okay, John 9, 39 says, Jesus said, these all red letters when he said these words, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not, do not see may see and those who see may be blind. Okay, what are you trying to say there? That those who see may see, they will see the truth of Jesus. But those that didn't want to see it, they'll be blinded. The Pharisees, the religious, didn't see the truth. So they had judgment in their hearts. But it was all placed on him to carry their judgment for us. And honestly, we are in a season now where our behavior and our conduct is being watched by the world. How the church is responding and reacting to things in this kind of time and season. But all it's a time when heaven is watching and heaven is taking a look at the hearts and the lives of people because it's uh, it's the sifting time that the, that the Lord is preparing a people like a remnant that will arise in this day in this hour to be the ones that will run forth what he's doing. And honestly, God will use those whose hearts have been prepared and tested in this time. Heaven's not, not blind to your, your Mondays. He's not blind to your Tuesdays. Okay, everyone else sees your Sunday and all looks good. But what's your Friday afternoon like? That's what heaven is watching. That's what we need to be aware of. Okay, as we stand firm on these truths. So we mentioned the word we spoke about this in the elders meeting. I didn't Kathleen mention this word. It's a psychological process of understanding called cognitive dissonance. Okay, we will type that into the... Um, our uh, lovely assistant sitting at the back here. We'll type those words in for you, and it keeps coming up as Shelton Kidwell. It's clearly Kathleen doing all the typing there. Okay. Cognitive dissonance. It's a psychological understanding and process about how we process things. So let me break it down for you. Cognitive. Okay. So if you've got cognitive thinking, cognition, it's a, it's a, yeah, example. It's, it's, it's a mental action of, of process or requiring knowledge and understanding through thought, through experience, and through our senses. So it's like perception, okay? It's like sensation. It's a persuasion of ideas. 
Okay, so you build your life, your worldview, your thinking. It's cognitive. It thinks you grow up with a certain way of thinking and things build into your heart about how you think about stuff. Okay, so for example, Lewis Hamilton is the best Formula One driver that has ever existed. So now Reddy Fonz is looking at me funny because his way of thinking is like, no, he's not. Okay, see so now what happens? I don't believe that either. I'll make it very clear. He's not, okay? All right, but I'm just, yeah, get, get that point across. He's on, yeah, I won't go there. Okay. But many will say, no, no, Jean-Manuel Fangio from the 50s, the Argentinian, was the best Formula One driver ever because the time that he drove cars was very different to now, much harder back then. But then others will say, no, 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 it's obvious, people. Mark Schumacher was the best Formula One Grand Prix driver the world has ever seen. Him and Hamilton have both won seven championships. But you see how your, your thinking is built upon all your thoughts, all your experiences, all your ideas about a certain person, and you hold them as truth. Okay, so if I say Lewis Hamilton is the best, someone is going to disagree with me. Does it mean I'm wrong? Does it mean he's right? No. It's your opinion. Okay? Opinions. And that's totally fine. So that's cognitive thinking. Dissonance. Okay, dissonance is a word that refers to inharmonious, meaning it's uncomfortable. It's like I'm not feeling settled right now. Okay, with someone's idea, someone's perspective, someone's thinking with regards to this. And I just want to read some quoting from an article that we Errol pulled out with regards Thursday morning. Okay, Cognif cognitive dissonance. Okay, the term is used to des describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. So people tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. So people attempt to relieve tension in different ways, such as rejecting something or explaining it away, arguing about it, or avoiding new information. Because I know I'm right. So don't tell me new stuff. Yeah, this is powerful stuff. You guys must listen to this. They're listening? You listen here too. <laughs> okay, cognitive dissonance can often have a powerful influence on our behaviors and actions. It doesn't just influence how we feel. It also motivates you to take action to reduce feelings of discomfort. Okay, so when it comes to decision-making and you're thinking you've got a certain pattern that you built up over time through your thoughts, through experience, through thinking, and something comes in that that challenges that truth of yours. People make decisions, both large and small, every day. And when faced with two similar choices, people often left with a feeling of this inharmonious dissonance because both options are equally appealing. Is it Lewis Hamilton or is it Michael Schumacher? They both won seven world championships. Lewis has won slightly more, but who? And once a choice has been made, however, people need to find a way to reduce these feelings of discomfort. And people accomplish this by justifying why their choice is in, in a certain way and, and their best option that lies before them. So they believe they are making the right decision. And I know this is psychological and not all spiritual, but we need to understand this. This is from a man that wrote a book in 1957. So let's take an example. Like, uh, smoking. Yeah, we all know smoking. Well, my truth is smoking's not good for you. And now someone might smoke cigarettes or cigars or pipes, whatever it might be, but you've been told by the doctor it's unhealthy for you. 
and you have to probably look at giving it up because you look, could work into deep issues down the line. That person who hasn't argued or fought with smoking, as an example, builds up a truth in them saying, it's not that bad. I'm fine now. And then, and then we'll come to some kind of thinking of like, well, if I stop smoking, I'm going to put on weight. So actually weight gain is also a problem. Rather go with the problem of smoking than weight gain. So you justify that it's okay to smoke. But we all know it's not good for you. Although I did meet a man and uh, who was 102 years old last year, February, and he smoked his whole life. Well, up to I think up to his 90s, he started smoking. And then and and he still lived till 102. So that throws the theory that smoking had be out the window, doesn't it? If you're talking on long age and time. He might have lived 107, 110. Well, he cut he cut his life short. So Denise Wagner, if you're on this call, I know that's your father, but he was an absolute joy to meet. It throws your theory out the door. Now let's take some church examples. Okay, that's a smoking, whatever that might be. Okay, some things that cause this way cognitive dissonance of like, no, it can't be true. Speaking about uh, Jewish people and the nation of Israel brings up different thoughts because you've got the theory of replacement theology and you've got understanding of that the, the place that Israel plays today and the church has not replaced Israel. That will create division. No, it can't be true. Martin Luther had a hatred for the Jews. Some of you might not even know that. A lot of Hitler's understanding of building on Second World War was based on Luther's thinking. And that's fact. Okay, that's not my understanding. Okay, just that's an example. Take woman ministry in the church. You'll have two sides. People will argue very clearly. Yes, of course, women are free to minister and preach. On the other hand, as strong people will say, women must sit down and be quiet in church. And we had. <laughs> Who's right? Actually, it's going to be all measured by the fruit, honestly. Okay, the gifts of the spirit is another one. 50 years ago when the charismatic movement came forth, the gifts of the spirit were something coming alive. Everyone said it can't be God. The gifts aren't for today. The cessationist thinking. And there was a big fight and division in the church because of cognitive dissonance. It can't be true. God would never do that. And you spiritualize your position so that you argue it down. God says it can't be. Then people can't argue with you. Okay. And now a big one. The vaccine. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. And I'm not going to say more about it. It's created division. Because everyone knows better. Everyone knows better. And doctors, are, doctors have got different opinions. So what do we have to do? We've got to come back to discernment. We've got to come back to no judgment. That's who we are as the people of God. And I'm telling you now, folks, heaven is watching us. And see, we're living in a season now where your truth, your opinion has been challenged, is going to constantly be challenged, okay? But the question is, what is the seed of that truth, that truth that you hold? Where does the seed come from? What planted that seed in your heart that you're holding on so strongly to this position and understanding, okay? James 2 verses 8 makes it very clear, and as we understood cognitive dissonance, it's trying to hold two truths at the same time. And when they bombard you, you kind of don't. So you fall into one and you argue and you stand your claim for something. You know what James is about you? He says you are double-minded and unstable in all your ways. 
because being double-minded is trying to hold two truths at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't. So you'll either argue it, you'll stand your claim and hold firm to how I believe for stuff in relenting and just actually allowing the fruit of your life to be the measure, not about how much you know. Okay, because he says in that chapter two of James is that this is the testing of your faith. Because if you doubt, you are like a wave tossed in the oceans back and forth all over the place. And it says that you won't get anything from God. So don't expect, yeah, we do a declaration, ask God for breakthrough, but you're unstable in all your ways. You will get nothing from God. Okay, trying to hold these two truths. You're actually sitting on the fence. Which way? It's a season for the church to put its flag in the ground. Boom. This is what we believe. This is what we stand for. And it's, and it's been led to that. We are getting to that point. I'm seeing so many righteous people arising in this day saying, no more, not on this watch, not in this time. We are the living change of what God wants to do. Okay. And so all these thinkings and thoughts, you see, from this place of our truth, we will be arguments according to the seed that has been planted in your heart, which is producing this fruit. Okay. And the enemy loves to sow just to sow things in your hearts. And then he waits. I've told you that before. The only thing the enemy is good at is patience. He's got time. He's been around forever. He's not in a hurry. He will wait. He will wait. He will wait. wait. Look at ministries. It's never in the first two years that a ministry falls. It's 15, 20, 30 years down the line. He chops you at the knees. Because he just waited for those seeds that were planted in your heart and life. And they start producing fruit in the quiet, and then he exposes it. And the fall happens. See, there's the law of harvest. The law of harvest is sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. We've always only ever spoken that about money. My dad always used to say, if you want friends, become a friend. Sow friendship. Yeah. You will gain friends. Don't expect everyone to run after you. If you want to see people be faithful, show faithfulness. Yes. So what you believe for, and the harvest will come. Yes. You sow love. Love will be received. And it's not often if you sow money, you often receive things in other ways. It's not, it's not necessarily the seed you sow will produce that harvest. It, the head's economy just pours out upon you as you allow the seeds of the fruits of the Spirit to land in your heart. So remember, seed, time, and harvest. And I want to come a little closer to home here about how we deal with people in our hearts. And how we deal with people, because when we in a room with people, whatever it is, whether you're at church, whether you're at work, whether in your family, a question arises in your heart about a person, a circumstance or something that happens. Okay, so the seeds of the enemy starts to bring questions, thoughts, opinions that maybe don't kind of line up with what's seeing. So it raises questions for you. And I'll explain a little bit more. Okay. Because what happened, if it's a workplace, or it's church, or whatever environment it is, the world we're in right now, your standard, the standard that you hold, if you keep some kind of justifiable, justifiable kind of contentment and peace in your world, it's bombarded by something, which raises you to kind of respond in a different kind of way, because you want to keep that peace. So let's look at someone like Judas, okay, who, who was one of the 12. Do you really think Jesus would have chosen him? Because he was just to be the one that traded. He chose him because there was a purpose in his heart and his life. Okay. And it says here, okay, and harvest time for the enemy arrived at this man's life. It says in Luke 22, 
verse 3, and it says, Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve, and he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Do you think that happened overnight? Just like on a day, Satan entered Judas. He's like, okay, today I'm going to portray Jesus. No. no. He was with Jesus for three years. Three and a half years nearly. And those seeds were slowly being planted into his heart and his life. And this for the enemy was harvest time. And then he took control of the root that had birthed into his heart and life and he acted on it. So what is cognitive dissonance? Your behavior is according to that way of thinking. So he acted on, yes, it's part of the plan. Yes, Jesus had to go. Yes, we understand all this. But the enemy lined him up. He lined him up. And on a day, he said, right today. It's the same thing where Jesus said to Peter, when they were praying, he says, he says, Peter, I've prayed for you. Because Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, that you will stand. And then once you stand, go to your brothers and encourage them as well. You see, the enemy was after those guys because he knew he's the enemy after us, the people. He knows what's happening and what the Ecclesia are doing at this hour and arising. He knows. And what is he trying to do? Divide us through stupid arguments about vaccines. As one example, there's all this stuff. Keeps going. Okay. So remember this. Okay. Now, Peter also fails. Okay. And this is through stuff that Kathleen's listened to with this guy called Robin Bullock. See, Peter fell, but he also stood up again and he found life in who he was in Jesus. Judas fell and committed suicide. And the power of Peter's revelation of who a revelation of the ecclesia, the power of the revelation of who Jesus is to us that's what's going to help us to stand here not whether you're wrong or right it's so beyond that okay so remember seed okay now this is how it looks in our normal lives we're in church and now we haven't had church for a long time and we kind of questions and you guys are at home and you're asking questions in your heart about the leadership and what's happening why don't we just do this and you've got answers. You've got your own understanding, your own truth. And a question raises in your heart, which the enemy wants to latch onto and to plant seeds of doubt, seeds of questioning. Oh, I don't think this leadership have got it. I don't know. Uh, and you fall into that trap. Okay, that's just church with the people. Then you've got your work environment. I know what this is. I worked in the, and I, and I see how this plays out. You see, someone says something, 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 something happens in the office and it raises a question in your heart. You've got something of bitterness, frustration, anger, annoyance, all those fruits that the enemy wants to reap off. And we don't recognize when they first land. Just kind of carry on. So what I was saying, sometimes we reject people in our hearts, but actually we nice to them up front like this in front of people. Hey, brother, how are you? But in your heart, you're going, yeah, I don't enjoy you. Because you've rejected them in your heart. You're funny and um, in fun and nice with them in front of as people. It's hypocritical. That's what it is. So I've got a story here. You see, our dog next door, not my dog. But I sound like Jean-Claude is not my dog. Does your dog bite? It's, it's not my dog. <laughs> it's not my dog. 
But that dog is annoying me. He barks even last night. I'm lying in bed, just making some notes this morning. Bark, bark, bark. I'm like, I gave a big smile. Like, Please, man. Annoying this guy with this dog. Eventually, what is going to happen one day, I'm going to snap at the owner. And I'm going to, my witness is going to fall out the door because I'm going to shout at him and be so irritated with Milo that barks at all hours. And now they've got another dog as well. There was a box. Okay, I've got a choice to make now. That I'm going to go with this and allow it to lay seeds in my heart of bitterness and annoyance and frustration. The mother goes to a friend's church down the road of a pastor. And they all know it's all connected. And you throw it because you've allowed those seeds to plant. You see, he's very, he's very subtle the way he does I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to watch myself because I don't want those things to lay seed and lay roots in my heart. See, husband and wife, we have these, we, you know, you meet each other and when you're 18, 19, 20, you get married, but you've got a whole life of things that have happened and then something happens in your marriage and it raises a question and there's thoughts in your heart and you're wondering about stuff and you harbor it instead of actually speaking it out and not allowing it to grow and produce fruit by roots in your heart and life. That's why marriages fall apart. You've got to hold to these truths. Look at governments, folks, through time and how they manipulate and control kind of an abused people because there's no trust, there's no integrity. So we've got questions in our hearts about the government, but we can't write them off. We've got to keep trusting God has set them in place that he will bring about righteousness and justice. Question in your life. Seed, time, and harvest and we all know galatians 5 galatians 5 is the fruit of the spirit those are the seeds we want to lay in our heart the spirit of love joy peace patience self-control that's that's what i need to show regards the neighbor and his dog restraint i want to read you psalm 126 and it says this in the uh passion translation about uh, sowing in tears and reaping in joy. Let me just read it to you quickly. It says, it, it's, it's, it's called the song of the stairway. It's called restored. Psalm 126. I was, it was like a dream come true. When you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion, we laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles. And we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore to us our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over, over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Here's the part that I want to focus on. Those who sow, in, who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. And he says there, the writing says, he says, those who sow their, seed, their tears as seeds, like a farmer going out and throwing into the field, and he's weeping because he knows his family's hungry. And he's saying, God, as I sow these in tears, I'm trusting you for a harvest. It will come and I can feed my family. Those who sow with their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but will return with joyful laughing or laughter and shouting with gladness. 
as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. See the power of sowing good seed? It always produces a harvest. It will always produce a harvest. In the lays dormant, it's what you water it with the word of God, the seed, and it keeps maturing it. And Fauna said something in the elders' meeting on Thursday morning. He says, in this time we live now, we are feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are eating at the tree of right and wrong all the time because of what's been sown into people's hearts is coming forth now. See, Daniel 12 verse 4 says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal this book. Daniel is prophecies for end times. Okay, until the time of the end, it says, many shall come to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. You know, think, think of that with just that thing, knowledge. Everyone knows everything today. It's like, um, who's that South African guy with the Tesla car? What's his name? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. And he warns everybody about AI. AI, but it's not fear. AI is the knowledge that increased in this time. Artificial intelligence. We're in a challenging times. Let's not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We eat from the tree of life, which Jesus was his word. And Jesus is the word and his seeds are sown into our hearts that will produce the harvest. And it's harvest time now, folks. We're in that time. Proverbs 4, as I finish off here, Proverbs 4.23 says this uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, not the Passion Translation. It says, above all, above all else, guard your heart. Because, it's, it, because it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. What seeds are being planted into your hearts that produce fruit. Guard them. Because everything you do flows from here. What God has planted into you. Okay. So let's not fall into the narrative of the world. Okay? Let's learn to love one another and our enemies with no judgment in our hearts. Let's learn to prefer one another because this is what is setting the church apart in these days is that we will truly learn to love and not judge and we will stand firm on the truths of who our King Jesus is because it is seed, time, and harvest. And the seed is the word of God. So I encourage you, read the word. Speak yes. to the yes. Savior. Speak yes. to him. He is the word. He will nourish you. He will feed you. The seeds that are planted in your heart, in your life, will produce yes. good right. fruit. Yes. We stand, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, we take every captive thought. Every thought captive, sorry. Okay, because those thoughts produce things in your hearts which plant seeds. And the enemy is after a harvest as well. So we stand firm, we stand strong yeah. in who we are. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me just pray and we'll just honor all that God is doing in and through us here today. Father, we want to thank you for the seed that is the word of God. We thank you that as believers, we have heard the truth. We have spoken and confessed with our mouths. We believed in our hearts that you are the almighty one. You are the word. And I pray for everyone now in their homes as we've gathered here as leaders to speak life over one another, to, to take ground in the spirit. I pray over every heart, the seed of your word would plant in hearts. And Lord, let this be harvest time. We have tarried, we have pressed, we've believed for years and years. We know that. But Father, we trust and believe you that in this day and in this hour, we will see a harvest, not only of souls, 
but of faithfulness, of love, of joy, of all the things that have rooted into our hearts and lives, let it be harvest time. Pour out to us, Lord Jesus, as we position ourselves in this day to see you move and to do more and great and mighty things. And we honor you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I think we have an after party. I mean, let's let's be consistent here. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, morning again, and morning everybody. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Um, I, I'm bursting at the seams with this because as we started worshiping this morning, um, with that song Waymaker, I, I felt God just dropped in my spirit. Um, the scripture about I will take out your heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I thought, well, I just felt it's something for this morning. And then he started preaching around the parable of the sower. And I was like, what does a gardener and sower have to do with hearts and flesh? And I couldn't figure it out, but I didn't have to because God just unfolded it. And I I, I, uh, I feel what, what God, through what Sheldon was saying, that it's this picture of that scripture um, that says, I will take out your heart of stone and I'll give you out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So in other words, he's, he's taking stone out of flesh and replacing it with flesh. Once the whole body was flesh, but then came sin. And then the most important part where the seeds are sown became stone. That scripture is only, it's repeated twice in Ezekiel, but it's just only a place in the Bible where it speaks of that, right? Then in this morning's uh, passage, the, the sower sows seeds, and it says some of the seeds felt on stony paths, yeah. on stones. Now, it, it sprouted up, but only because there was a little bit of soil on the stone. In other words, it wasn't because it was growing in the stone. You see, stone is unpenetratable. Yeah. Seeds cannot fall on stone and sprout there was a little bit of soil and that's why it sprouted up and died yeah. right so stone um is impenetratable is that the word yeah, yeah. seeds will will just bounce off in, in impenetrable impenetrable man it's like word hippo today <laughs> um now stay with me on this because um there are there so once god said i remove from stone and put flesh he did not repeat that in scripture ever again. Why? Because it's not something that has to be repeated ever again. When we receive the heart of flesh, we have it for life. That's the grace of God. We cannot lose the heart of flesh. Okay? So it's once, that's it. You know, it's done deal. Right? You have a heart of flesh. Now, what he, there are 45 occasions, scriptures, verses that refer to uh, hardened hearts. Now that's very different to a stony heart. The word hardened refers to density. Okay? Now density happens in soil, even good soil, if not toiled and turned and, and worked will become hard and that hardened soil will become as if stone. It's not stone, but will start to behave like stone. 
It will take on the attributes of stone. And what happens with stone? Seeds bounce off stone. So the seeds of God's grace and God's mercy and God's kindness and goodness and love and all those things bounces off a hardened heart. And Sheldon's talking about these issues in our in our in our day to day that brings division. Yeah. It's bringing division because we all have these causes. I'm standing. I have a right to my opinion, and and that is a cause that I'm willing to stand for, fight for. And my question, I believe God wants to say today to us and the message we should convey to others, this is the, the good news, is, is the question, what is your cause causing around you? Yes. Yeah, what fruit? Yeah. What fruit? Yeah. Okay? Because your cause can be so, you can feel so strong about your cause that actually it becomes a crust. And your heart can become hardened. And then when somebody else has a different view, how do we respond, react, treat them? Or do we allow the seeds of grace and mercy and patience and long-suffering and everything? Can, can we allow that to penetrate our hearts? Or have we become crusty and hardened? Remember, it's not a heart of stone. You have a heart of flesh. But it needs to be looked after. The soil needs to be turned for the seeds to constantly go into our hearts of flesh. Penetratable flesh. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. And I want to say to you, I, I, my wife and I, Ilana, we had, it, it when it dawned on us, and it's just a real example, that we had very different views of the vaccine. It, be, it We had one of the biggest arguments of note and and it didn't colossal and it didn't stop there it became it was a sudden shift in our in our in our house it became a roof it became a wedge our hearts became hardened and and it was god in his mercy and grace that helped us to show us what is it causing this cause of us and he allowed us to soften our hearts and to lay it down. Come on. And you know what? Our hearts have become pliable again. The seeds of mercy and grace and love and long suffering and and it's just it's softened our hearts. And so I want to ask you and encourage you today to ask yourself, your view is great. Have a view, it's fine. But what is your heart, your condition of your heart? Has it become hard? Has become crushed. It goes 45 times in scripture. God's talking about don't let your hearts be hardened yeah, yeah. because the seeds will not, be, it will take on the attributes mm. of stone. Mm. And then I want to encourage you to take that message of today and spread it. Let these seeds be spread in the workplace where we are. Don't get in arguments with people. But show them another way, which is a softening of hearts and having different views is okay, but it's yeah. not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it because what, what it causes around us is division, is anger, is resentment, is bitterness. These are not things of the kingdom of God. These are things of the pit of hell. Yeah. Come on. And we need to make sure on what kingdom 
all we're standing for and fighting for. Very good. Come on. Very good. Yeah, we got after party, after and after party. Oh, wrap this one up. Thank you. The season we're in is harvest. And I think one of the things we must understand, what does the harvest look like? Now, for some of us, we have this desert experience and we're thinking, where's something going to grow out of the desert? There's always an oasis somewhere. Yeah. But I want to bring in two things, elements, and I'll be brief, is that the communion that we have had this morning is not just for church. It's something we can do in our homes. Yes. It's a declaration that we make that our heart is aligned with the things of God mm -hmm. and what he is doing. And something that stood out for us is that as we serve communion, like in our family, when I was in hospital, that was the one thing the girls did and Tracy every single day was to have communion. For some of you, you did exactly the same in your home. What does it represent in your home? It means that you are declaring and you are prophesying and you are standing firm in the promises of God of what he's doing. So it's not what you can see. Yeah. It's the unseen that you're speaking into the spiritual realm. Yeah. And it's that part that I want to encourage you today by reading Ezekiel 37. Just this one part that, that God's word says, He are son of man, can these bones live? And he said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Yeah. And then the second part to that was, um, and then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Where you are in your situation, what looks like a desert, prophesy. When you have communion, prophesy in your homes, prophesy in your community, prophesy that these dry bones will live. And the second part of that scripture, when you continue to read, it says, speak into those bones and let the breath of God come into them. Where you are, you speak the breath of God into your finances, into your health, into your family situation. Speak God's word and declare today. So take the communion that God has given us as a sign of the symbolic understanding that we're standing with God and then speak into what does not even seem to exist. Speak it into existence. Yeah. What just yeah. seems like a valley yes. of dry bones is actually an army waiting yeah. to arise. God bless you. Sure. Okay, there was two big mic drop moments there that happened eh? So we're going to sign off, okay, guys? We are hanging in there. We're robust, meaning we are soon going to be together, okay? And that we send love to all of you. Let's just turn your mics, unmute, and wave to everybody and say bye-bye. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, cheers. There we go. Yeah, yeah.